Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Omar Harris about the intersection of social justice, equity, diversity, and leadership. Omar Harris, welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be back, Jonathan. It's a pleasure. Yeah, I, well, I you know, I, it's it's always a fun opportunity to have these conversations. And both of us have a lot of passion around the topics that we're going to be exploring today. We're going to focus on the intersection of social justice, equity, diversity, and leadership, uh, what that really means how we can do it better within our organizations, within our teams, and specifically talk a little bit about Jedi leadership, something that, yes. uh, that you focus on a lot in your work. Uh, I think it's, a, it's an interesting and compelling take and framing on leadership. Um, before we get started, though, I wanted to share Omar's bio again with everybody. Omar Harris is the founder of Intent Consulting and Tempo.io, the world's first and best SaaS application for employee inclusion. A former GM, a business and servant leadership thought leader, speaker, award-winning, best-selling author of five books, including Be a Jedi Leader, Not a Boss, Leadership in the Era of Corporate Social Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, uh, released summer of 2021. Uh, the Servant Leaders Manifesto in 2020, The Leaderboard, The DNA of High Performance Teams in 2019. With 20 plus years of global pharmaceutical executive experience building teams, Omar has worked on four continents, the US, Middle East, Asia, and Latin America for Pfizer, Merck, uh, Schering, Plow, and more. As a Gallup certified strengths coach, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, and Florida A&M University alumni, Harris is passionate about leading teams, high-performance coaching, and inspiring future leaders of today and tomorrow to adopt the servant leader mindset and stop toxic leadership behaviors. Uh, amen to all of that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so important. This is really important work. I appreciate everything you're doing. Uh, before we launch into the conversation, anything else you would like to share uh, with listeners by, by way of background or personal context? Uh, no, just, I mean, I'm, I'm a, just a regular guy from Pittsburgh who's had some, you know, phenomenal opportunities to live outside the U.S. and kind of shift my perspective uh, and, and really happy to be able to find kind of my niche and be able to contribute and in whatever way I can to people's journeys, especially your listeners on this podcast. So happy to, to uh, connect and have this conversation today. Well, that's, that's wonderful. I, again, I think we share a lot of commonalities in our approach and our, our mindset and our passions. And, and so this will be fun to really dig in. Uh, let's start by talking about Jedi leadership. Can you describe that? Um, you, something you lay out and talk about in your recent book. Uh, and then we can get a little bit more into specifically the social justice, equity, diversity, and leadership aspects and talk about the right. intersections of all of those. Perfect. So 
Uh, Jedi Leadership is not an acronym that I created. It was something that I stumbled upon uh, last summer, um, but it kind of, it's, it's ironic because I, I had written a, a kind of a throwaway comment in the Servant Leaders Manifesto where I kind of stated that leaders needed to be uh, Jedi's, not bosses. And this is before I ever even was aware of the acronym of what Jedi meant in the space of, of justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. So it was kind of an interesting uh, uh, coincidence that, that actually I, I'd written that line and actually then uh, learned a lot more about the Jedi work that was going on. Uh, and there's a lot of acronyms for this. I mean, you have you know, DEI and B, you have, you know, you have all these different acronyms, alphabet soup going around as everyone tries to put their different spin on, on this. But for me, what Jedi leadership is really all about is ultimately uh, businesses finally stepping into and meeting the moment and stepping up to the plate and doing what they originally should have been doing all along, which is not only providing value for shareholders, but also enhancing the lives of employees, customers, communities, and the environment as they do this at the same time. So I have to- Yeah, well, no, that's that's perfect. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a super interesting kind of framing and it's an important idea as we uh, move into the, the social justice, equity, diversity, and leadership space. Like you said, the alphabet soup, you know, regardless of what we decide we really want to call it, um, these are all important topics, things that we have to continue to uh, explore and figure out how to do better within our organizations and within our teams. So yeah. let's let's talk now a little bit more specifically about the, that intersection, um, the intersectionality right. of these different components. Um, why is it important to recognize that? How do we leverage that understanding to make a difference within our organizations? Well, I think an important uh, aspect of this is that the Jedi work is being seen as a as an outcome and not as a strategy to, to achieve an outcome. And, and my take on this is, is that if you want to achieve the goals of stakeholder capitalism, which are those goals to add value to more stakeholders, how are you going to do that? Well, Jedi is a great way, leading into Jedi principles, it just happens to be a great way to add that value and actually achieve the goals of stakeholder capitalism. So for me, it's a connection point um, that I found when I was doing my research and, and doing my learning about the space. It's like, these two things are intrinsically connected. How are you going to actually provide more value to employees if you're not uh, eradicating injustices, eliminating inequities, uh, expanding diversity and enhancing inclusion for these employees. How are you gonna do the same for communities, customers and the environment if you're not leveraging the JEDI acronym and actually really wading into the space to understand what are the injustices happening to the environment right now? For example, environmental injustice is a gigantic issue because disenfranchised communities are the ones getting the biggest brunt of uh, of our environmental um, uh, problems that we have today. So, you know, every one of these things you can go down and listen. I can, and I point out in the book, the injustices that need to be eliminated, the inequities uh, uh, for communities, customers, environments. So that's what the book is really about is making that clear connection between how leading at the Jedi principles is a very clear and direct uh, uh, pathway to improving the outcomes for the stakeholders uh, that we're talking about when we talk about stakeholder capitalism. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, and I know one of the things that you focus on uh, in your your work is, is kind of shifting the mindset and the, the approach of what often we refer to as servant leadership. Yeah. Uh, and 
you know, how do we go about shifting and why is it important perhaps to shift a servant leadership approach towards a Jedi leadership approach? So, I mean, basically I've talked about this before. It's, it's <clears throat> servant leadership is, it has to be implemented. Basically it's just, it's not a, it's not a, uh, a nice to have anymore. It is the path in order for us to reorient, reorient, organizations back towards the value creators. So servant leadership really takes care of two of the five stakeholders. It really helps you really re-engage with employees who are most engaged with the customers. So with servant leadership, you get, you get, you know, not even 40% of the way there. You get like 35% of the way there when you have that reorientation towards your employees and towards your customers. When you when you elevate the game towards Jedi leadership and you start thinking about injustices and equities, uh, capitalizing on diversity and, and increasing inclusion, then you get to uh, expand the pie from servant leadership and take that bridge that servant leadership gave you. And now you're talking about, okay, now what about the community? What about the environment? Uh, uh, what can we do there as well? Um, and, and really leveraging the platform of business to take on these bigger and bigger challenges um, because uh, it's our responsibility. We're causing the problems, So therefore we have a responsibility to step up, meet the moment and solve the problems as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and it, it is true. Like we are, we are the cause, all these negative externalities of capitalism uh, and, and organizations. And it's not to say that anyone is like out to get anybody. Nobody, I don't think anyone's out to exploit the environment or exploit employees or customers. And um, I think people are gen generally good people who want to do right by others. And I think most right. organizations want to try to ultimately do well by their communities and by their customers. Uh, but the reality is the, the pressures that we face create these, these systems of either oppression or exploitation um, or just simply incentivizing actions, behaviors, um, approaches that aren't meeting the needs of all of the stakeholders. Like we, we tend to sacrifice the needs of some stakeholders for the shareholders, for example. And, and the idea is, yeah, let's, let's look at all stakeholders. Let's look at the importance that everyone plays. Uh, and I think that's really important. I like the way you frame it, you know, looking at, um, you know, servant leadership is still important, but it can only get us so far. And so we can um, start to focus on some of these other aspects and that will get us the rest of the way, or at least closer to where we want to be. Yeah, um, so go ahead. Servant leadership by itself does not make you a stakeholder capitalist. You can still be very much a shareholder capitalist to be a servant leader. And so that's what the realization I had was, okay, we need to kind of level, raise the bar a bit more. Now, ultimately, uh, Jonathan, I want all of this to be just leadership. Five years from now, we're just talking about leadership. We don't have to have these qualifiers on these things, but we need them now because there's so many different definitions of what a leader is or what it isn't that we have to kind of qualify what we're saying so that people can get the point and then they can adapt the, adapt the principle. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Very good point. So, so let's talk a little bit more about um, specifically how Jedi leadership uh, can help to improve diversity transformations within organizations. Right. Right. So basically I think that this has been a, a long journey uh, it started off with diversity, so basically recognition uh, in corporations that having uh, different thought processes, different backgrounds, different perspectives around the table was positive. Um, I think it was it was kind of like not a proactive 
um, act, action by business. It was kind of a reaction to the changing demographics of the workforce that were happening uh, underneath the uh, senior leadership. So they, re they realized that, oh, we're hiring different people. How do we start to capitalize on this? And it, it basically was more, it was all about kind of that. It was kind of taking the problem with diversity, kind of if you say diversity 1.0, problem with diversity 1.0 was it was about bringing all these disparate backgrounds together and then making them fit into a uniform structure, which is a traditional hierarchy. So we're gonna squeeze the difference out of you and make you conform to whatever our culture values and what we're trying to do in this organization are. And so they actually were not extracting value from diversity, they were bringing diversity in and then not actually leveraging it, which is, which is like the first 10 or 15 years of diversity work was trying to convince CEOs that there's more that can be done here for the differences that we have, we have in the organization. And when they started leading in and listening to the difference in the organization, they realized, oh, well, you know, everybody doesn't see the world the same way with how people are being treated, the, the pay gap, gender pay gap, or different benefits. If you talk about, um, you know, belonging, that different people, different groups require different things to feel a sense of belonging in the workplace. And then it wasn't until last year, till the social justice protests, where people added that important J. And I, I talk all the time about, is the J really important for corporations to lean into? It's fundamental because forget about thinking about the, the, the communities and, 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 the, and the country. Just think about injustices that are happening on your own turf inside of your company right now. It is unjust that there's not a standard uh, maternity leave length for women, working women everywhere in the world. It's unjust that women have to, uh, have to make a choice between career and having a family where men never have to make that, uh, that particular decision, never have to think about it uh, in their careers. So there, there are plenty of injustices right at home inside of the corporations that need to be uh, fundamentally addressed. And, and, and it, it all came from the embracing of the diversity that was coming in, coming in the door. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, I, I, I think that's really important to recognize. Um, 
the, the context of this past year has been really interesting, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. You know, the George Floyd moment and, and kind of a, a social reckoning, I think that's happened throughout much of the country. Um, lots of political strife. Um, and we're just in such a divisive place as a country. Uh, it's yeah. led to a lot of um, a lot of dialogues, unfortunately, not as many healthy dialogues as probably we need. But um, yeah. certainly, it's increased, you know, the amount of conversation. And I know that just uh, what was it just yesterday, two days ago, maybe um, that uh, the con Congress passed the Juneteenth national holiday, which is a good step, um, unanimous in the Senate, close to unanimous in the House. Uh, I'm not sure how anyone can vote against that. But you know, there were 14 people who did but whatever. Um, yeah. But you know, we're, you know, I think there is some progress, we are making some positive movement, but it, it has just highlighted and illustrated that there's so much more work to be done. We're not there yet. Um, and to your point a, a few minutes ago that, you know, organizations have come, thankfully have come a long way in getting past just this whole idea of getting diversity, you know, in terms of how people look, uh, for example, racial, ethnic diversity, gender diversity in the workforce, now moving more into um, to the equity components, the, the inclusivity and belonging components, um, all of that, you know, I think has been an a positive evolution as we yeah. try to get into what really matter, what's at the core of what we're trying to accomplish with all of these efforts. And it's not just getting, you know, more opportunity for people from all backgrounds. That certainly is a big part of it, but it's, it's also like truly helping everyone to feel genuine belonging where they're at and that everyone has an opportunity yeah. to contribute in and um and fully be there as their authentic self in in the in their workspace uh that's so important that's important for organizations to thrive in today's world it's also important for individuals you know to find meaning and fulfillment and purpose and to feel valued uh in their organizations exactly and the other thing other way that i position this uh, is that this is Jedi issues are going to be the biggest business risk that we face. So think of yourself as a shareholder, your shareholder, investor, whatnot. If you, you have two companies, one company uh, is tackling the problems internally that deal with ESG, let's say environmental, social and governance, and they have, a, they have Jedi leadership, they have DEI lead, and they're actually systematically working through and making their, the workplace better. These investors will know that Eventually, the internal work will create external positive externalities in terms of uh, customer uh, customer excellence, uh, community outreach, environmental sustainability. So they're going to get their returns versus a company that is doing none of that work, focusing purely on profits, still denigrating the environment. Uh, they have tremendous turnover in terms of people who come in the door, don't stay very, very long. So they have a talent drain um, because they're not dealing with these issues inherent with inequities. Uh, would not actually capitalize on diversity and inclusion, and they're not uh, deal doing dealing with the injustices that their operations have created. Those companies are going to be worse business investments in the future, and this is why companies like BlackRock and Larry Fink and all these people are coming in and saying, "Listen, this stuff is not just soft leadership stuff. This is fundamentally about business risk. What creates a riskier environment?" And so that's why in the book I lay out a very clear framework called the Jedi Restoration System that uh, is built off of uh, my experience working as a general manager and dealing with compliance frameworks that we had to implement for our organizations uh, and treating it the exact same way. 
Jedi work is continuous systemic work. It's not a project. It's not a donation to the United Negro College Fund. It's not a commercial on television. Um, it is fundamentally looking at your people, products, and processes through the lens of injustice, inequity, diversity, and inclusion, and then doing and then constantly initiating new operating procedures that are consistently and constantly enhancing the environment for, for the employee, first off, because so they can then do their work in terms of dealing with the community, dealing with the customers, uh, creating solutions that are sustainable. Uh, and that will, that will lead to lower risk for shareholders and better returns for everyone involved. So I look at it fundamentally as this is really about hard business. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, there's clearly a business case for all of this. So if we wanna be profitable, successful, competitive organizations, this matters. Uh, and then there's clearly a human case for all of this uh, and a moral ethical case for it, that it's, it's just the right yeah. thing to do. It's the right thing to do for our people. It's the right thing to do for the, the planet. Uh, ultimately, it's a win-win. It truly is and should be perceived as a win-win-win all the way around. Uh, yeah. And I think more and more organizations are kind of cluing into that, thankfully, but there's still you know a long way to go. Um, maybe in our last bit of time together, we can uh, zoom in now and talk a little bit more about some specific things that organizations can do. What what are some of those diversity transformation success keys that uh, we can utilize to build a diverse organization that excels in the future of work? So one of the things is that I, I like to use old ideas and make them new again. Um, uh, I am a, I'm a GAL certified strengths coach, as you mentioned in, in your intro. And when I think about Clifton Strengths and I think about that particular assessment, um, what it ultimately is all about is about capitalizing and valuing difference. So seeing the person, not the role, seeing the talents and strengths you have around you and working to synergize and combine it together. So for me, companies who really want to capitalize and drive diversity initiatives need to be leaning into the Clifton Strengths assessment movement, find themselves coaches who can drive these change initiatives in their organizations, because that's a very clear path that links diversity to the unique individual talents and capabilities to hardcore business outcomes that have been proven uh, empirically over time. So that's one, one thing that I definitely highly recommend any DEI lead listening to this. If you have, if you're not aware of Clifton Strengths, get up on it, really educate yourself because this is not just about one of those personality assessments. This is actually a, a strong business tool that you can leverage to really drive diversity in your organization. But as I say in the book, diversity will not matter if you're not tackling inequity and injustice first. If you don't ask yourself the question as a leader, what are the injustices happening right here in my organization? What are the inequities happening right now? I mean, right, any CEO, every CEO in America can change. For example, I talked about maternity leave. They can transform women's equity with a stroke of a pen today. Go into your office, write a policy that says women are guaranteed at least six months paid maternity leave in every company in the country right away, right off the bat. Uh, and they're guaranteed their same job, same salary, uh, uh, and that they don't lose promotional opportunities as a result of taking time off to raise the future generations of workers that we all need for these corporations in the future. Uh, that's an example of 
you know, I don't want to hear all the lip service about all of our diversity and, and inclusion initiatives when you're not taking really, really simple steps. I, 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 there's no CEO that can argue with me about why they haven't changed their paternity leave policy to be more advanced. There's no CEO that can, that can argue that with me. Just like there's no CEO that can argue with me about why does your workforce not uh, reflect either the community you work, you're based in or the national demographics. If you don't have, if 30% of your workforce is not African-American right now, I don't know, you, we can't talk. We don't have a, a conversation. Like the numbers are, are available. This is simple stuff. Uh, that people make hard uh, because they they really don't want to lean into the space. They're hoping it's a fad. They're hoping they can get around it and that, you know, shareholders will back off. But once again, this is business risk. And now that shareholders have understand this is actually business risk, they're not going to let go of the bit until change actually happens. Yeah, well, I, I completely agree. I, th I think there's some of these basic, obvious kind of benchmark things that need to happen that can happen pretty easily if we just have a little bit of the will to do it, right? Um, and is that, you know, like the maternity leave example? And I would argue maternity and paternity leave, but yeah, yeah. Cer certainly from a, a gender equity standpoint, you know, the, the maternity leave is a, a huge, huge deal. Uh, it's a fairly simple fix. Is it going to require some adjustments from the organization, of course it will, um, but it's yeah. very doable. And in fact, most uh, countries around the world offer <laughs> pretty meaningful maternity leave um, and we're kind of the exception. And so yeah, there, there's so many things that we can and should be doing that we need to be doing. Uh, otherwise it really does come across as just giving lip service to it. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad yeah. that people are talking and having the conversations. I'm glad we're trying to um, deal with implicit biases and try to, you know, have more productive, um, you know, inclusive cultures, all of that's important, but it's also where the rubber meets the road. Like there are specific things that we can start doing today that will immediately make an impact. Yeah. I mean, one other thing is, I mean, if for diversity initiatives specifically is if you are not uh, working with, uh, with at least five to seven HBCUs right now, um, to really create a, a talent pool of African-Americans coming into your organization, then what are you doing? Like, if you, you know, that's once again, one of these easy things, like, you know, expand your recruiting pool. I know you may have your top 10 university list, but add three to five HBCUs to that list starting today. And, Excellent. Yeah. and work with the schools. Uh, if there's issues in terms of the, making a fit for your organization, Come down and do the work with the schools and promote programs that are going to help you build the employees that you that you need for the future, um, and and that will be something that will you will get immediate returns in terms of highly qualified diverse candidates coming into your organization who will add a lot of value to the business right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Omar, it has been a real pleasure. It always is a pleasure talking with you about these really important issues. Uh, I appreciate your time and sharing your insights with listeners. Before we close today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out yeah. more about your work, uh, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Well, do. Well, first of all, I want to let you know that I, I, I gave you a blur or a shout out in the book. Thank you for our earlier interview on the Server Leaders Manifesto. So your name is in the book. So, oh, uh, that's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, Omar L. Harris, uh, my website www.omarlharris.com um, are the best places. Amazon under Omar L. Harris to find the books. 
And I think the final word on on this topic is really that is it, it, is the sense of urgency we all have to have um, in order in, in changing our outlook on leadership. I think that um, for me, if if I can do one thing with this book, which is to kind of make becoming a boss not so sexy anymore and make becoming a real leader, someone who leans in and leads with humility, will, and empathy, someone who sees people and sees problems and works diligently to solve them. If I can accomplish that with uh, with my collective work, but more particularly with this work, then, then I'll feel like I've done, done my job. Uh, I hope that your listeners come out and support it. Uh, and uh, and uh, just so you also know that next Friday, when the book comes out, June 25th, the book comes out, my other two books, The Seven Leaders Manifesto, and leaderboard will be free on Kindle uh, for five days. So uh, as I'm launching uh, the Jedi book, my other two books will be free on on ebook for you to download uh, on Amazon uh, for the next five days from, from the 25th until the 29th of, uh, of June. Perfect, perfect. Uh, thank you so much, Omar. I really encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what he can do for you. Check out the books, uh, great resources. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.